we talk about these stories? We already know how it all ends. We know how most of these stories end. Well, I've been thinking about this over the past week, and I think that there are about three things that, that come to, to my mind. Is that, number one, it helps us to remember. And remember these stories because these stories are the way that God has chosen to reveal himself to the world. And I don't know about you, but how many of you took a test this week and you couldn't remember something that you knew you had read and you went home and as soon as you read it again, you went, oh, now I remember, right? Well, could it be... <laughs> that we gather on a Sunday or a Tuesday night because we know we read it once, but we forgot. We forgot. And it's not like this is a test, but this is the way that God has chosen to tell all of us who he is. The second thing I think is this, is that when I was talking about preaching this passage with a mentor of mine, she said, let me read it to you for a moment. I know you read all the time to people and you talk about these stories. I want, I want to read this to you and then I want to ask you a question. She read the story that we're about to read and then she asked me this question. Where are you in the story? Where are you? And as we read this story tonight, I want you to think about that for a moment. But I think another reason why we read these stories is that we can begin to imagine the world of the Old Testament. We can begin to imagine the world of the New Testament where Jesus walked, and perhaps we can begin to think about where we would find ourselves in these stories. Where are we viewing what happens? And there's something that can happen when we begin to do that. The third one is something that might sound a little bit mystical, or strange to some of us, depending on what tradition uh, you come from. But let me explain this. Have you ever been in a worship service where the story that gets read and the way it gets told and the points that the, the preacher makes, you walk away and you feel like someone was just talking to you, like you were the only person in the room? I've had that said to me a handful of times and in the years of preaching, is that I feel like you were just talking to me, or I feel like I really, I really needed to hear that tonight. Well, let me tell you something. That's not me, and I mean that seriously. That's not me. I have no idea what most of you are going through this week. And so if any of you walk away tonight and you feel like you were the only person in the room, guess who knows exactly what you need? God does. And so in his marvelous way of showing how much he cares for us, he's chosen to speak through the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, the sermons that are preached, so that not every week, let's be honest, but there are some weeks when you desperately need to hear something from God that all of a sudden a story that you may have read 20 times all of a sudden speaks to you in a new way. So I think that those are at least three of the reasons why we tell these stories week after week. We never know where the seed that is planted may fall. But that's why we do what we do. 
So with that, I'm going to read this, this uh, passage from Mark chapter 4. And um, my eyes are getting so bad from reading 2,000 pages of uh, stuff that I have to use reading glasses now. Um, so this is Mark chapter 4, verses um, 35 through 41. The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. If you were here last week, again, just help, let us remember. Let us remember that Jesus knew that his disciples needed rest. He needed rest. And he said, let us cross the lake. And if you remember what we talked about last week, it was the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't quite get the rest. But here he is again, knowing how much you need, how much we need, how much his disciples needed rest. He cares for them. And so he says, let us go over to the other side. And then, leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them, with him. A furious squall came up, a massive storm. And waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, get this, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I don't know how you've heard this preached, but I've heard it preached a lot of different ways, but one of the ones that gets preached is that, that we, the, the detail that gets paid attention to is the fact that Jesus, and we're back to Jesus asleep in the cushion, he's, he's asleep in the midst of a massive storm. And I don't know if you've heard this, it's like, you know, Jesus was human just like us. He got tired. He understands that when you get tired, so there you go. He's asleep too. It's a lame sermon, <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever heard that one. I, I have. I may have preached at one point. But um, the second one is this. Jesus calms the storm. That's the title at the beginning of the paragraph, Right? And so, the sermon goes, Jesus will calm the storms in your life. Okay, I know I've preached that one. And it's a good one, because it's true most of the time, right? <laughs> Every single storm that you've ever been through, does Jesus immediately calm it? No, that's the hard part about following him. But the story's not about him sleeping on a cushion. And it's not about us and the storms in our lives being stilled. What is it about? I think it's about what the disciples ask at the very end. Who is this? Who is this? In fact, before this and after this, the gospel writer Mark 
spends a lot of time, I think, trying to show, answer that question of who this person is. Let me give you an idea for a moment. If you go back a few chapters in Mark chapter 1, here are some of the things that Jesus has already done in the first few chapters. He's had a conflict with the religious leaders of the day called the Pharisees because he healed on the day of rest when you're not supposed to do any work. Then the Pharisees you know, confronted him because his, uh, his disciples ate and drank and celebrated and they felt like you were supposed to fast on the day of rest. Then Jesus had already called his disciples. I couldn't, I didn't have time to make 12 disciples, so give me a break. There's three, okay? Multiply it by four and you get 12. And, and Jesus then goes on and he begins to teach everybody that would hear him. He tells the story about the, the, the parable of the soils where a farmer goes out and begins to sow seed and some falls on rocky soil and hard soil and soil with weeds and then there's soil that's rich and fertile and deep and the, and the seed goes down into that soil and it produces a harvest a hundred times what was originally sown. So in those first few chapters, the gospel writer Mark is trying to show who this person is and then we have this story of him calming a massive storm. And then if we go past this story, you, you'll find that Jesus heals a man that is possessed by demons so much so that he has been cast out of society. And then the next story is about a woman who is also cast out of society because she has had this, this issue of blood flow for 18 years. And so by the laws of that day, she was cast out of society, but she was brave enough when Jesus was in a crowd to come forward and touch his cloak and be healed. And then there's this religious man named Jairus, who's the ruler of a synagogue whose daughter has died. And he experiences the healing of God. So let me recap this for you. Demons, diseases, the religious, the unreligious, insiders, outsiders, wind, waves. Mark is showing that the all-encompassing power of Jesus covers all of that. He's trying to tell us all, who is this? This is God himself in the flesh. Now, if you read along with me, you might have stumbled on one thing, that Jesus ends up not just saying here in this story to his disciples, but Unfortunately, it's something that he says more than once. He says to him, why do you have no faith? Why do you have no faith? In other parts, he says, oh, you of little faith. You ever wondered how he said that? You know, I think a lot of us that have a conception of God that he's angry at us probably see Jesus in that moment pointing a finger and going, you little faith. But do you think that that's really how he said it? As I read this story again and again and again, and I knew from some of the stories that we've looked at this semester that Jesus cares for his disciples. He loves them. He's trying to give them rest. He's trying to pull them away from the crowd. He's, 
He's commissioning them to be a part of his kingdom. He's entrusting them with the secrets of the kingdom. And again and again and again, he's trying to show them that he has called them to be his closest friends and companions on this journey. And what do the disciples say when the storm comes? Do you remember? Jesus, don't you care? So you can imagine after trying to show a group of people how much you care and love and support and all of that, and your first question when bad times comes is, don't you care? I think that when Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you who have little faith, what do they have little faith in? In him. And that he cares. And let's be honest, how many of us right now are walking through some storm and we're wondering if he cares. We're wondering if he's going to speak at all or do anything at all. If that's your story tonight, Jesus commands the wind and the waves. And if I can turn around him saying, you who have little faith, Maybe he's saying, have faith in me. It says that the disciples were literally terrified. Terrified. Imagine this for a moment. That you had a friend that when you walked around with them, they could control the weather with a word. I don't know how many of you are big X-Men fans, but my kids, especially my oldest, loves those movies. And Storm, for those of you that know, has the ability to conjure up weather with a word or an action. I forget how she does it. But anyway, imagine for a moment how frightened you would be if one of your friends had that ability. You'd be terrified, and this is why. None of us like knowing that we're not in control. None of us like that. I mean, we might sing a song like Jesus Take the Wheel. But how many of us really would like that to happen? We don't. We're so used to being in control all the time. We manage our life to be in control. We're in control of Everything, all the information that comes to us and when we turn it on and when we turn it off. We like to be in control of our schedule, our sleep, our food, all of that. None of us like to be out of control. Imagine for a moment that you had a friend who had way more control than you. That's why the disciples were terrified. They realized that this rabbi, this teacher, this guy that they were following around, had way more power, that something had entered into their world that was way more than they had ever seen. You see, that's what this story is about, that this is God in the flesh that has come down to earth. And so it's nothing for him, nothing, to tell a massive storm 
to be quiet and for it immediately to become calm. You know, the early church told these stories amongst themselves before they ever wrote them down because there were people that were telling other stories about Jesus, that he was just a teacher, he was just another man, he was another miracle worker, he was a failed revolutionary, he was just a peasant from Galilee that taught some interesting things. All of that was being told. And so the church told, them, told these stories again and again from the eyewitnesses and then handed down to help people remember, no, he's not just another teacher, just not another rabbi, another miracle worker. He's the son of God. And you know what? We need to hear these stories too. How many of us have heard recently that Jesus, just another teacher, just another religious leader, failed revolutionary, a peasant who taught some interesting things? You see, the stories haven't, the, the need for the stories hasn't changed. We need to hear. So some of you, some of you, as you think about that question of who is this? Who is this? That's what I believe that the Gospels are trying to scream out to us. Who is this? The Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. But how many of us wrestle with questions like this? Is he someone who exists in here, in a nice building, with songs and a Bible? Or does he exist out there in mechanical engineering classes, in education classes, in nursing classes, in psychology, and all those things? Does he exist out there? Or does he just stay in here? Some of us may be struggling with whether Jesus is the God who's just frustrated with us all the time, who just points at us and wishes we were more. Some of us may be struggling because we wonder if he's even real. I mean, he's sitting there sleeping on a felt board. Is he even real? I've heard enough in philosophy classes that makes me wonder, does God even exist? Some of us may wonder that this Jesus is just too demanding, too unrealistic to really follow. And some of us may feel like he's someone that hasn't even invited us into the boat and that we're just standing on the shore. Well, let me proclaim to you what has been proclaimed for centuries, that Jesus is real in here and out there. And he's not a God who's pointing a finger at you and frustrated. He wants you to have faith in him as the God who cares. If he didn't, he never would have come. He cares. He knows what you need this week and next week and the week after. He knows what you need 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Have faith in him. He cares. 
And if we ever feel like he's too demanding and too unrealistic, Jesus said that the teachers of his day placed burden upon burden. And I know that many of you right now can relate to that, that the teachers that you have place burden upon burden. But Jesus said then and he says now, his teaching is easy. The burden is light. And he says to all of us, yes, you're in the boat. Come and follow me. I am the maker of heaven and earth. Insiders, outsiders, demons, diseases, wind and waves, it doesn't matter. All of them come under the kingdom of God and scream out, Jesus is Lord. Let us pray. Father, you and you alone know the hearts, the cries, the joys, the struggles, the temptations of these your children. And your scripture tells us that we can cast all of our anxiety and worry upon you because you care for us. And if we are tempted to scream out, don't you care? You want to show yourself to be the God who can do all things. So Lord, we thank you for these stories that help us to remember. Help us to see ourselves in that boat to see you stand and with a word calm the wind and the waves. And may we stand in awe that God is with us and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We thank you, Father you've created this place for us tonight to sing to bow down and worship and to see that who you are is a compassionate gracious and loving God in Jesus name Amen